Know Your Food with Forty, episode 129. For links and more, visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. See you there. Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty in Southwest Oregon, a traditional food blogger at ganalfglins.com and knowyourfoodpodcast.com. I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast where we're all about ditching those poisonous processed foods, breaking free from the conventional food paradigm, and instead embracing whole foods raised, saved, and prepared with traditional methods. It's fun, it's delicious, and it's healthy. You're on your way to looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good. Hey everyone, welcome. Going to start out with the tip of the week, how to grow mint from cuttings. This is actually from Katie May, writer at Traditional Cooking School blog. She has two methods for you. I'm going to share one and then I'm going to beg your indulgence to go to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129 to see the other. So method number one, because we all love mint, it's prolific, um, it's very easy to share. And you can do this with any kind of mint, actually, spearmint, peppermint. So you're going to cut the stem just below a node where the leaf grows on the plant. Remove all but the top leaves. Stick a few cuttings into a small pot with moist soil and keep it out of direct sunlight for about a week. So this encourages it to root and adjust to its new environment. And as the mint grows, so it's rooting and growing, then you can replant it in a larger pot or in the ground. Now, I'm going to add that I love to keep mint contained in a pot because otherwise it just goes all over the place. But so that is method one. The other method involves just regrowing it in water. So if you go to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129, there you will see a link to the second method. Hi, I'm Morty, a traditional cooking expert and food blogger at traditionalcookingschool.com. For years, my family struggled with food-related health problems like eczema and food allergies, but we don't anymore. And I'd love to show you that preparing whole foods with traditional methods is easy, delicious, and super good for you too. So just go to traditionalcookingschool.com slash free, and I'll show you how easily you can do it too. I'll give you five free videos that include my favorite traditional cooking techniques, plus printable at-a-glance fact sheets as a handy reference. So if you're ready to start looking good, feeling good, and most importantly, doing good, then visit traditionalcookingschool.com slash free today. Okay, so the topic of this week's podcast, four things I'm loving this fall. And I have to say that maybe only one of them really has to do with fall, but it's fall, four things I'm loving. I figured I could say that, even though they're not totally related. And I do want to hear from you what you're into these days. So come on by the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129 and share what you are loving this fall. So the first thing I'm loving is dishcloths. And that sounds weird, doesn't it? Well, we recently decided to stop using sponges at the sink. Um, my husband has been wanting that for ages, um, but it was me, as usual, dragging my feet. And finally, he's like, do you know how gross those are? And I'm like, oh, okay, 
<laughs> so we stopped using sponges. And so that means I got out our dishcloths. And we have crocheted and knitted dishcloths that I've done or people have given us. And we have a couple. Um, and I've been using them. And you know what? I don't know. We don't have a dishwasher. It broke several years ago. We didn't replace it. Um, I like doing dishes. I don't know what. It's the warm, soapy water, getting it clean, organized, I think. And the kids do a lot of dishes, but I'm not opposed to doing dishes myself. And I don't know what it is about a dishcloth that's just so much more satisfying than a sponge. I don't know what it is, but I love it. And we don't have enough of them. So I asked in our members group on Facebook if anybody makes or sells them. I don't feel like I have time to do them myself, even though I know how and I have in the past. And so I asked if anybody makes or sells them. I figured I would purchase from somebody we know. And one of our members, Sean, said she would send me some. So um, I have more on the way. However, in the meantime, um, I've been incredibly busy working. And, you know, when you're busy working and your mind is just totally like... You're just going to explode from the intensity, and you just need a break. And so um, the other night we were watching a movie, and I've been working very hard, so I've been working in the evenings a little bit, and I was like, I cannot work. <laughs> I just can't. We're watching a movie, but I also need to do something relaxing. And I was like, well, we need dishcloths, and I know Sean's sending me some, but I have cotton yarn so I, I got out the cotton yarn and I got out my needle, knitting needles and crochet hooks. And I started out, let's see, I started out knitting and I, I love to knit, but I know crocheting goes faster. So usually when I decide, am I going to knit or crochet something? That's what I'm weighing. Like, do I want to spend the time knitting because I like that better? Or do I want to do it really fast and functional and so I'm going to do crochet. Well, this time I decided, because I just needed a break from work, I was not really, like, thinking efficiency. I was just thinking, I really want to knit <laughs> or crochet. I just really want to make a dishcloth myself, even though I have no time. Um, so time was not a factor. It was more like, what do I want to do? And I had this yearning. Uh, so I decided I was going to knit. And I looked through all my needles and I've taught a knitting class like, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. And we did dishcloths because that's a perfect thing to, to, you know, start out on. Because you can just knit, knit, knit. Every row's a knit. You're not teaching the pearl. You're just knitting. And it makes this nice ribbed, um, you know, nubby dishcloth. And, and I don't, I think, I don't know what happened. Either we made them with size 8 needles or I lost my size 10 needles. But I, I knew I wanted to use a size 10 needles, but I didn't have size 10 needles. Well, I had long size 10 needles. I had circular size 10 needles. I had double pointed size 10 needles, but I did not have like a 9 inch just, you know, dishcloth size 10 needles. Um so I was like, well, I don't have 10. And I also didn't have 9. So I started doing them on 8s. And my first one, I just kind of estimated based on a dishcloth I had done in the past, you know, how many stitches I would cast on. And I ended up with probably a dishcloth that, I mean, I only did a couple rows just to test the length, um, the resulting length. And it was probably nearly 50% too, um, 
too long or too wide. So I did a couple rows like that, and then I was like, well, this is way too long. By the time I finish this one, it's going to be twice as big as a regular, as a dishcloth should be, and I could have made two dishcloths. So I'm not knitting this dishcloth. Um, I hope you guys are okay with me just sharing this story. Uh, so I stopped, and I tore it out. And then I started another one. But I messed up my cast on somehow, and it was just so painful to like, or I started knitting the wrong way after the cast on. You guys are wondering, does she even know how to knit? Yes, I know how to knit. I do. I've knitted my whole life, but I haven't knitted for a few years, so I was rusty. So I was knitting the wrong way after casting on, and so it was just really tight and painful. And then I, I, I told you I was going to knit, 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 but somehow I got in my head that I was going to purl. So then I ended up with, instead of you know, ribbing, I ended up with stockinette stitch, which stockinette is where it's knit on one side and purl on the other, and that's not good for a dishcloth. So I had to tear that one out, too. And then I was like, enough with the knitting, I'm crocheting. <laughs> so I went online, and this time I was like, I need to find out what somebody else has done for how many, for what size hook, and, you know, which stitch, and how many to chain and all that. And so I picked this lady's and it was like Helen's quick and efficient dishcloth or something. And it turned into a doily. I mean, I've done three rows and it's like curving instead of straight. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I need a straight dishcloth. I don't need a doily. So I abandoned that. And then I found somebody who just does double crochets with spaces. So you're like double crocheting every other uh, stitch every other chain at least after you know you chain you chain your first foundation and then you're double crocheting and so you're you're putting a double crochet in every other chain <clears throat> and she said cast or it's not she said to chain a certain amount and it was like gonna end up like three inches wide or something <laughs> so tore that one out and um and then I crocheted a dishcloth that turned out but my daughter was out in town and I texted her and said, could you give me some size nine and 10 knitting needles that are nine inch long? So by the time I'm finished with a dishcloth that's crocheted and it's my fourth attempt on the second day of this project, um, she brings me home the right size <laughs> knitting needles. And I've worked through every mistake possible. So then the fifth dishcloth, which is the fifth attempt, but really the second dishcloth is going to work. Size 10 needles. I cast it on the right amount. Um, I remembered my fantastic method for casting on that's not, that's just really awesome. It's different than the standard default. And I tried to have my hands remember how to do that. I figured it out. I was kind of being stubborn, like, I'm not going to look this up. I'm going to remember how to do it. And I remembered how to do it. And so my fifth dishcloth, but second that turned out, is beautiful. <laughs> Size 10 needles, the right amount of stitches cast on, uh, beautiful ribbing. It works well. So my um, enjoyment of doing dishes is even heightened. And so that's my dishcloth story. That is what I'm loving this fall. Item number one is dishcloths. And so I've crocheted one. I've knitted one, and now I'm almost done knitting my third. And I do it when we're watching movies, or I do it when we're just sitting and talking, you know, a couple rows here and there. 
And it's made me realize that I need that more in my life. That life can't just be work, 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 work. You need to enjoy the work of your hands. And I'm not a person who ever likes sitting still. Like, even if we're, you know, our family's sitting around talking, having a conversation, I'm itching to, like, what do I need to work on? I need to be doing something. So having a ball of cotton yarn and the size 10 needles nearby <laughs> to, to work on a dishcloth, just I feel... I'm resting and enjoying the rest, and I'm producing something, but it's, it's mindless. It's not intense, like exhausting. It's almost renewing. So, dish claws. You can visit the show notes at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129 for a picture um, of my current dish cloth that I'm knitting. Okay, item number two I'm loving this fall actually started in the summer. Once again, fall is irrelevant here. But a butter churn at a, um, at a um, antique mall right here in downtown Roseburg in the summer, I found a daisy butter churn. And it's one of their late models, but it is a daisy. It was in really good condition. And I couldn't pass it up because butter churn has been on my list of things I would love to have for so long. And and I brought it home, and my, my, my reasons for getting it were, number one, I wanted one. <laughs> number two, if the power goes out, we can still make butter. Of course, you know, if the power goes out, how are we going to keep the cream chilled? That's, you know, irrelevant. But so those are my two reasons. And, you know, I could add another one. It's just beautiful. It has this beautiful red ball on top. If you want a picture or a quick video, go to the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. Um, yeah, 129. So I'll put my, my picture and video that I shared on Instagram there in the show notes. Anyway, it's beautiful. And so I brought it home, and I was so excited, and I showed it to my husband. He was like, that's cool. Are you going to use that? And I said, I don't know, because I do butter. I did butter, do butter in the food processor or the mixer, and they work, and you can do a lot of it, and it's hands-off. You know, you don't break a sweat or anything. You just turn it on and do other things in the kitchen, right? And I said, I don't know, but I, I know I can make butter if the power goes out. So we have a butter churn. Well, of course, I had to try it, even if I wasn't going to use it regularly. I had to try it. So my first day I tried it was on a very hot day in the summer, so that was, like, really stupid to do. And we were busy expecting company or something, so it was, like, Pressed for time, really hot, um, but I made butter in the butter churn that day, and I don't regret it. Um, maybe my timing was off, but it was so fun. And we, our, our, our cream that I use for butter is soured cream. It's the cream that rises to the top of our yogurt jars. I've talked about this before, and we sometimes use that cream as sour cream. We sometimes keep it in our smoothies. We also, a good amount of it, we skim off and collect in half gallon jars in the fridge and when we have a half gallon or a couple half gallons built up of this cultured cream I make butter and that's our butter so we get enough butter off of our um, herd weekly herd share that we participate in we get enough butter for our family and you know we're generous on butter and love to eat it and use it um, and our herd share supplies us with enough butter so I did the butter the once, and I really enjoyed it, even though it was hot. And then 
next time we needed to make butter, you know, less than a week later or something, because I'm doing a half gallon at a time, it makes mm, one and a half to two pounds, something like that. And I was like, loud food processor running for a half hour, loud mixer running for a half hour, or butter churn. <laughs> so I went for the butter churn. <laughs> and I used it. And I've been using it for a couple months. I have not broken out the appliances. And sometimes I don't have time to make butter, but we need butter. And I think I could listen to a loud appliance for a half hour or I could take a break from just being busy and intense and I could churn butter. And, you know, I can put on a podcast or something. It's not like I, it's wasted time. So it's like a forced slowdown of intensity. It's kind of like the knitting. It's like, it's like really beneficial. And I know we all have to decide these things in our lives. Like, what do we have time to do? And, um, and legitimately, you know, making butter by hand in a churn is like arguably maybe not the best use of everybody's time. Um, I'm just going to argue and say it's a really good use of my time because it's a forced thinking, processing, break time. Um, and I'm thankful for it, even though sometimes I think, oh, I do not have time to make butter and we need butter, but I need to like you know, stand at the counter for 30 to 45 minutes churning. And I don't have time to do that. It actually happened the other day. On Monday, I was very busy. I'm recording this on a Thursday. And a couple days ago was Monday. And we just had a small pad of butter left. And I told the family, you know, <laughs> use it sparingly. We need to make butter. But I don't have a half hour to make butter today. I'll try to do it tomorrow. But it's not happening today. So if any of you want to make butter, go ahead. Otherwise, we need to use that sparingly. Well, nobody else had time to make butter. <laughs> and so the butter did not get made on Monday, and the butter that was left in the pat got used sparingly. And then Tuesday, I made more butter. So that's item number two I'm loving this fall is the butter churn. And you can see a video of my churn, a short video of my churn, um, at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. Item number three I'm loving this fall. This is the one of the three that does have to do with fall, and that is no-need einkorn bread. So recently we've had two podcasts on einkorn, einkorn 101 and Four Reasons I Heart Einkorn. And as soon as the weather cooled, I knew it was time for me to start experimenting with bread again. And we have an einkorn baking class um, just newly launched a traditional cooking school and um, a brand new einkorn cookbook that Jovial Foods sent me and wonderful einkorn that's come from einkorn.com and um, and I I just wanted to revisit no need bread and try it with einkorn of course because I want to share it with members at traditional cooking school in the new class but just you know it really it's just really something I wanted to learn to do so um, I'm loving it, and it's fall, and so I can, I can do that. Now, actually, when I started experimenting, it still wasn't quite cool enough, so I did it outside on the camp stove in the grill box in a cast iron skillet, and it worked great. However, it gets really crusty because it's still open, so when it's cool enough to bake inside, which it is has been more often than not since I started working with it, um, I've got it in a... Uh, ceramic uh, coated 
um, cast iron Dutch oven with a lid. And it's beautiful and it doesn't get quite so hard on the outside. Oh, it's just gorgeous. So I've got a picture waiting for you at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. And some other parts of this that I'm really excited about is I've never had a ceramic cast iron piece of um, kitchen equipment before, but um, I felt like it was essential to learning how to bake this no-need bread and the perfect um, piece of equipment. So I invested in it, plus I wanted to test it and use it and share it with members. So I am going to be recommending it in our einkorn baking class. So it's a lodge ceramic coated cast iron Dutch oven. It's six quart. It's a beautiful blue, but it comes in other other colors. You can see a picture of it and see a link to the exact one at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. The other thing I'm loving in this, and I, I was reading in the new um, Einkorn book from the owner of Jovial Foods, and um, she recommends using a linen couche, and it's a cloth. It's a bread cloth, um, and it's linen, and it is so beautifully suited for rising bread, and especially einkorn, which tends to be sticky. So your dough is coated well with flour, but you put it in this cloth, and it absorbs excess moisture without getting all sticky and messy. And so you can, and you can even, um, since einkorn kind of wants to spread out like spelt, you can even um, kind of use the cloth because it's stiff to... um, like to shape long loaves of dough like French or baguettes. And they're just in between folds of this cloth and you 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 kind of um, roll the cloth. You don't roll it up on its ends, but you you make like little hills in this cloth and you put the um, the long loaves in the valleys and it'll help them hold their shape and absorb water and they rise and they don't get all gummy in the cloth like they would if you were using a... Um, tea towel or something. So this linen couche is a gorgeous piece of kitchen equipment. And when I got it, I couldn't hardly believe what it felt like and looked like and smelled like, and especially the directions that said, never wash. <laughs> like you're not supposed to wash this cloth. Um, you just let the dough dry and flick it off. And sure enough, that's what I've done. Just, you know, if I ever get a little piece of dough stuck on it, you just let it dry and it flicks right off. Um, so Members, you're going to be seeing this linen couche a lot in the einkorn baking class. I have a link to the linen couche and the ceramic cast iron Dutch oven and um, the photo of this no-need bread all at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. Okay, we're now on number four. And number four, um, I've talked about before many times in various podcasts how I've been working on getting a better night's sleep for several years, and I keep sleeping better and better and better. I mean, one thing was getting the IntelliBed early this year. Another thing was just lifestyle choices. Um, Another thing was some sleeping aids like um, (laughs) earplugs, room darkening curtains. So my final piece of the puzzle here I mean, I was, I'm already sleeping like amazing, but there was one thing that was bothering me. And that is, even though we have room darkening curtains, if the windows are open at night, the wind is like blowing the curtain back and forth. And, um, we have a security light outside that will shine in the window. So I'm sensitive to that. And I can swear it wakes me up at night, that flickering light in my eyes, if it's coming in the window from the wind blowing the curtain back and forth. And then also our, um, 
bedroom is right off the living room, dining room, kitchen. And quite often I go to bed earlier than the kids and they may be in the kitchen getting snacks or somebody, you know, hasn't done the dishes yet and they're doing their, their chore later. And so the lights on shining in, um, under the door and around the, the sides of my bedroom door and, you know, right in my face and it affects the quality of my sleep. So have I said the fourth item yet? Am I just still leading up to it? So the fourth item here that I'm loving this fall, even though it's not fall, um, is an eye mask. I picked out an eye mask that has mulberry silk on both sides, um, and I love it. I am still messing with the getting used to it. Like I'm not annoyed with it anymore, but I have yet to go the whole night with it staying on. And I think it's because I still don't have it quite tight enough. It's kind of like um, the, the same way you tighten a bra strap is the same way you tighten the strap on the back of this. And I think I still don't have it tight enough. And when I first got it, I was like, oh, I cannot put this tight against my eyes. But every night I'm going tighter and tighter. And last night was a lot better. So I, I have hope that one of these nights I will actually keep it on the whole night. Um, but anyway, it's so dark. It, well, it's finally dark. When I first got it, I, I didn't feel like it was dark. I don't know. It's kind of strange to explain, but like when your mind is on thinking and things, and even if you put something over your eyes, there's still light inside. It's like the light of your brain activity or something. So I think it just made me realize that it's not just the curtains and the light and, you know, sound and all that. But one really big part of a good night's sleep is your mental quiet. And so putting on that eye mask and realizing that my mind was still like way too active just made me start um, doing some prayer and deep breathing and just trying to stop worrying and stressing and thinking about, you know, what had happened this day, what I hadn't gotten done or what didn't go right or what was like really exciting. I hadn't gotten down off the cloud yet or what, what I had to do tomorrow to just be really intentional about trying not to think about those things and to just be really quiet. And I've been using this eye mask now for, I guess, going on three weeks. And every night I feel darker inside. It's a weird thing to explain, but I have to shut off my mind to match the darkness of like the light or, or not light. So um, if you want to see the mask that I chose, I mean, really affordable. I think it was less than $10 or something um, on Amazon. It's mulberry silk on both sides, as I said, so it feels cool. I've used it on hot days and cold days. There's no temperature issues at all. It's comfortable. It's soft. I'm going tighter with it and surprising myself how comfortable it is. Um, anyway, it's on Amazon, and I've got the link for you at the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. So those are the four items I'm loving this fall, dishcloths slash, you know, knitting again for my sanity or crocheting, uh, the butter churn slash churning butter by hand for my sanity, uh, no-need einkorn bread, and the eye mask slash sleeping better. Still working on my sleep. But no, I'm sleeping pretty, really, really well. Um, 
that's it. So show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 129. Why don't you come by and tell me what you're loving this fall or otherwise? I'd love to hear. God bless you, and I'll talk to you again in a week. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope to see you again very soon. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode. Just go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then, without a space, type the number of this episode. You'll get links and much more information about what we've been talking about. You can submit questions for future episodes. I love to answer your questions on the air, so go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash questions to submit them. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Warty while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that other people will find this podcast. Thank you so much.